everybody, and welcome to Coach's Corner. Some of my favorite episodes are when a dear friend gets to join me and we just get to talk, and today is one of those episodes, but you probably have heard of this woman. She's absolutely incredible, Danielle Laporte. I'll tell you more about her after I invite you to the last group coaching call that we're having until I come back from maternity leave. We're going to do one more in February. These are the $20, join from anywhere in the world, come live, watch the recording where I teach you a little bit and then I bring people on to coach. It's always a beautiful evening. Well, it's evening here in the US. The vulnerability is amazing. I guide you through a short little meditation. I always offer you a meditation gift that we email up the next day after the recording. So you really get the $20 just in the guided meditation that you get the next day. This group is going to be on attachment. So I get so many questions on attachment styles, everything from how do I move out of an anxious attachment style? What are attachment styles? How does my development, my relationship with my parents impact relationships? How do I switch my attachment styles? I think I'm this attachment style, but I'm not. Should I label myself? There's so much to unpack on attachment styles. And and the coaches' corners I've done on attachment styles have been some of our most popular. So I wanted to dive deeper into this. So it is Monday, the 21st at 5.30 Central, 3.30 Pacific. And if you're listening to this after it airs, you can always catch the replay. But the website is christinehassler.com slash group to register. And if you missed the live event, you can always catch the replays at christinehassler.com slash group dash coaching dash replays. All right. So let me tell you a little bit more about Danielle. She's someone I've known because we've both been in the personal transformation industry for years and years. And I've seen her speak and I met her at a couple events. And I always just thought she was just so super cool. And I wasn't cool enough for her. (laughs) Now, she never gave me that impression. But I just thought, oh, her voice and the way she wrote and the way she talked and the way she dressed, I just was like, oh, you're so, you're so super cool. But then through a series of events, I interviewed her for her last book and we just slowly became friends and then just dove into this really amazing, deep friendship The only bummer is she lives in Canada. I live in the US. We don't get to see each other very much. But it's really amazing how you can have a soul sister friendship with someone that you don't get to see in the physical, in in the physicalness. Physicalness. You've got to bear with me, guys. I'm 36 weeks pregnant and (laughs) words are words are just elusive right now. But anyway, I wanted to share that because I know a lot of you maybe live in an area where you feel like there aren't like-minded people and It's hard to make friends. And yes, it's so nice to have people in your town, but it's also really possible to have friendships with people that live not in your area. That's why we love our programs like Be the Queen and Inner Child and all these virtual programs where people come together and they meet in the program virtually and become lifelong friends. We still have groups from our Be the Queen program that we launched in 2019 that still meet up and still are friends. It's it's really incredible. So if you're feeling lonely, if you want more of that soul sister, soul brother, soul person kind of friendship, don't limit it to just being in your town because I've created this amazing relationship with Danielle, even though we don't get to see each other. So a little bit more about who she is in case you don't know of her, but I'm sure most of you do. She is a member of Oprah's Super Soul 100 and former director of Future Studies Think Tank in Washington, D.C., She's the author of Firestarter Sessions, White Hot Truth, The Desire Map, which has sold over 300,000 copies. She's also the creator of Heart Centered Facilitator Program and Membership, which we talk about in the podcast, 
with 400 plus leaders doing heart-centered conversation circles and workshops in over 30 countries. Her podcast with love ranks high in iTunes. She was named top 100 websites for women. She's just a rock star. And her charity of choice is Ally Global, helping survivors of human trafficking to rebuild their life. And one last thing I'll say about Danielle that's not in her professional bio is she is someone that truly walks the talk. And I don't say that lightly. And that's really, really important to me because, you know, I have seen there's a lot of people out there in the world that can speak a lot of really great things, but are they truly living it? Are they really living in integrity? And being friends with Danielle and being someone that gets an inside view to her life, it just really moves me and inspires me that she truly lives what she teaches, her honesty, her vulnerability, her realness, all of that that you'll get in this interview is just deeply inspiring to me. And I hope it's inspiring to you as well. I'm sure it will be. Before we dive in, I want to thank my sponsor, Organifi. Love Organifi. You know you can get 20% off all Organifi products at Organifi.com slash over it. If you're looking for quick ways to add more nutrition to your diet, their green juice, their red juice are great things to throw in your smoothie or just drink alone. I'm loving their gold, which is their turmeric mix. It's awesome to heat up and mix with some coconut milk. Great for inflammation. Turmeric's just a superfood, in my opinion. And so many other great stuff. Their immunity packets, all kinds of good stuff. So go to Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash over it for 20% off all your orders. All right. And now on to my conversation with Danielle. Danielle, I'm so happy to have you on the show. Thank you for being here. Excited. I have no idea where we're going, but who knows? Who knows? I was, I was looking at our Skype chat and we talked last in 2017 on the show when your last book came out. And we weren't really close then, but over the past few years, we've cultivated this beautiful friendship that I love so much. The only thing I don't like is that you're in Canada and I can't see, I can't squeeze you. Um, but it's just been such a gift to me to have your friendship in my life because you are someone that I know I can go to for truth and reflection and love, and we can laugh and be silly but really, really drop in deep and you have so much range. And I just love and adore that about you. So mm. thanks for being my friend. Mm, likewise. Yeah. There's so many times, you know, when I'm walking on the seawall and I'm just like, I wish Hassler was here. No. And I, and I love that. It's just like, we go there quickly with all the other things. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about hair yeah. and, <laughs> and God, like in the same five minutes. Yeah. It's a real gift. And it's such a great testimony to, uh, you know, I hear whenever I talk about friendship publicly, there's always a handful of people who say, oh, I wish I had a friend like that. Or how do you cultivate friendship? Or how do I get a circle of friends? And to those, you know, it's mostly women. I just want to say like geolocation. Love is not geolocation dependent. Mm -hmm. Like we, we, and I don't see each other. We know we're thinking about each other. Mm -hmm. It's just like love transcends all of it. Mm -hmm. And also we make time to talk like, you know, I think it's, it's a phenomenon I have to surrender to of like, I have to make dates with my friends. Yep. It's not like you just picked up, you dialed your rotary phone and people picked <laughs> up and you could still talk for two hours right. without having planned it. It's like, and you know, what helped me get over that is just last week. I was just like, ah, oh, I got to call her and make a zoom date. And I was feeling a little cranky about it. And it's like, 
well, what's the diff? She lives on this island. This is another friend. Mm. And what's the diff if I were to call her and say, like, let's meet at the cafe on Tuesday? It's like the cafe is Zoom right now. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. It is. Were, were female friendships ever hard for you? Was that ever – did you ever have, like, mean girl situations or trouble with friends or trouble making friends? Was that part of your journey at all? In high school, I felt always on the outside, even though I was on the inside. So – and I've turned this – this is one thing that – a lot of reflection has helped me see is like all those curses were blessings like, or I've turned all of those. Oh, I had a, I had my a psychotherapist say to me once, why don't you just optimize the fact that you are always on the fringe? Mm. Cause like even in our space in this like wellness community and online digital entrepreneurship yep. stuff, I still feel like I'm on the outside. Me too. <laughs> right. Time. Yeah. And it's no different than high school. Like in high school, I, w- I hung out with the, the in click, but I wouldn't had lunch with, you know, the weird kids and the outcast kids. And I felt home, you know, and, and then I just had to be like, is this is some loneliness annihilation complex that I've incarnated with? <laughs> and the answer is yes. Like, I think like we incarnate with all of that stuff. Yeah. We don't pick it up once we get here. We bring it in with us and, yeah. and we just magnetize it. And I think I've dealt with, I've definitely had some betrayal stuff with women that's been gutting. Yeah. 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 Horrible, horrible. Yeah. And I betrayed myself. Yeah. Yeah. That usually is part yeah. of the deal when we experience yeah. betrayal. There's there's yeah. that aspect that's betrayed us on the inside. And, and then we have a couple of choices. We can shut our heart down and be guarded and make what happened with a few women apply to all women and really cut off ourselves from, from the feminine and from that kind of connection, or we can heal from it. We can learn from it. We can open our heart back again. I was just on a walk with a friend this morning and we were talking about how if you really want to live, you have to be willing to get hurt. You have to be willing to have your heart broken. You have to be willing to experience loss if you play it too safe what are you going to really bring into your life? And that's one thing I've learned with friendships, especially is because I had the whole story, the mean girls and I don't fit in and people don't like me and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't get hurt for like 10, 12 years, but I didn't have any friends. I didn't have, you know, maybe surface friends, maybe like we meet for happy hour kind of thing, but nobody that I could call at 11 PM when I was worrying about something or heartbroken or just wanted something, just was lonely And it was actually my ex-husband who had a really good circle of friends. And I went to him once and I said, can you teach me how to be a good friend? Because I really didn't know. And speaking of betraying yourself, I wasn't a good friend to myself. I didn't know how to be a good friend to myself. And so part of that journey was really learning how to be a good friend to me and then open my heart back up. But do do you feel that way that like we have to be willing to experience it all, hurt, loss, grief, to really live a heart-centered, open, full life. All of it. Yeah. All of it, all of it. And not even, I think it goes beyond just willing. Like I've been talking a lot about in our heart-centered membership about reverence. I love that word. So, I love that so word. So just like, I think there's, there's some layers. Like one, there's, ah, oh, I accept that I got hurt. Mm. I accept the bliss and then there's this next layer of like, I'm, I'm actively open. Okay. I'm open. If I'm going to get hurt, I'm going to get hurt. If I'm going to, you know, feel connection. And then there's like, 
I'm actually going to revere. So definition of reverence, like warmth mixed with awe. Mm. And it's radical. Like, could you revere, have reverence for your fear Mm -hmm. and your heartbreak? And, you know, I've been really like this week, I've, I I feel so heartbroken about the state of the world. And it was a first this week for the first time in the last couple of years of all this insanity and sanity, Mm -hmm. I wanted to stay in bed Mm. because of the state of the world. Mm -hmm. And later on, you know, once I got going, so it was a great lesson, a great moment in, oh, all those days where I get up and I do go for the walk and I do meditate, all that energy goes into escrow so that when I really need it, I know like Danielle, first of all, no judgment for wanting to stay in bed because you're heartbroken by the world. Mm -hmm. Secondly, you know, if you get out of bed and you go for the walk and you connect with light, you're going to feel better. Not even just about feeling better. You're going to be expanded. I don't know if I'll feel better, but I'll know I'll, I feel bigger. I'll be able to accommodate whatever's going on. And then by the end of the day, I was like, wow, I have so much. I loved my little depressive moment in the morning. Mm-hmm. It was so beautiful. Like I was mm-hmm. so, uh, it's so great to weep mm-hmm. for the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What yeah. breaks your heart most about the state of the world right now? Well, you know, for everybody listening, right before we got on, I was just telling Christine that I just had this beautiful moment with this nurse. I just went for some lab work and I was praising her. Like she was checking people in and they were behind and she's drawing blood and she's telling people to enjoy the sun. And I just said, you're doing great. You're doing so great. And, um, she just said, the world needs kindness. And, and she said, even the the truckers and, you know, at the time of having this conversation, we've got this big convoy situation happening in Canada and it's happening all over the world, by the way, mm-hmm. the media is not repeating, uh, uh, media is not talking about it, mm-hmm. but lots of countries are using this as their declaration of unity actually. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's a lot of crappy things that are happening with it, but those, I don't think we should let those things eclipse. Uh, there's all I see is so much love that's coming from this and positivity mm-hmm. So what's breaking my heart is I think people are looking for a place to put their hate. Yeah. And so they're, and we are always looking for a place to put our hate, but they're putting their hate on people who are trying to put their love all over everything. Mm. And, you know, I've, I've said things online where it's, you know, it's all about unity consciousness where I say like, I'm praying for the truckers. I'm praying for the politicians. Mm -hmm. I'm praying for the cops. Mm -hmm. I'm praying for the people who are being violent in this and the people who are being peaceful. Like I'm praying for everybody. And there's still someone who will come in and say, you can't pray for everybody. Mm -hmm. And that's what breaks my heart. Mm -hmm. Like to have, to be a message of unity, to be embodied unity consciousness, which I'm not saying I am. I'm, it's a struggle for me every day and have people be, anti-unity yeah how is it i mean i have my theories how is it that anyone could be anti-peace for everybody you get to be peaceful and they get to be we all get to be at peace Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how could we not want that that is how dense 
and sick we are. Yeah. I was interviewed just a few days ago and I was asked about cancel culture mm-hmm. and was asked my, my stance on it. And I said, you know, I understand it um, to the degree that I can, obviously, I, you know, some mm-hmm. things I don't understand. And I understand that people who feel helpless, oppressed, hurt, segregated, alone, whatever, feel like it may be doing something, that that's how they have a voice, that that's how they, you know, feel like they're making a difference. But back to what you said at the beginning, what I eventually got around to is we as humans really don't know what to do with our rage and our hurt and Mm -hmm. our anger. We don't live in cultures where we're taught how to process feelings, how to heal from trauma, how to, you know, if you're human, you experience the emotion of anger at some point in your life. And we do not have healthy ways to deal with that. And so, and I think in the past two years, everybody's anger threshold just went way, 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 way up because people are just pushed to their max. So many people have been pushed to their max. And so what cancel culture or being a keyboard warrior or any of those things do, it's a release. It's an outlet. It's like I get to take all the stuff I'm feeling and put it on you or cancel this person. And that makes that gives me a sense of power because people that have been hurt, traumatized, oppressed, violated, it's such a disempowering feeling. And of course, when you feel disempowered, you're going to look for a way to feel empowered, especially if you don't know how to really mm-hmm. heal. And so that's kind of how I see it is it's, it's, I think the past two years, especially the last year has really shown us kind of where we are in consciousness as, as a collective. And that's what breaks my heart at times and keeps me up at night because I'm like, whoa, we are really hurting. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of people here that are just really hurting and not just from the pandemic, have been hurting their whole life. Their and, whole life. And this just, it, every people just kind of reach their breaking point. Yeah. So I'm curious, what have been some of your observations about the collective and trends you've seen in people and the way people have navigated this time and the kind of pressure cooker we've been in? Oh, I want to go back to what you said about rage. I think yeah, yeah. people, part of not being uh, supported or taught how to deal with all of our feelings mm-hmm. is like we reject our own rage and we hate, I think there's, when you feel hate for somebody else, you hate yourself yeah. for feeling the hate Yeah. because your heart, your soul, your conscience knows it's not, it's not, it's not right. I mean, it's okay. And it's beautiful. And it's, and it's part of the human experience, but this isn't, this is not, um, wholeness. This isn't alignment, Mm -mm. hating each other. Right. Mm -mm. So, um, we feel it somewhere. There's an inner alarm and then it just goes south. If we don't say, okay, I'm going to hold this feeling for a second instead of acting out, I'm going to hold it and I'm going to hold it with, to use that word again, I'm going to hold it with some reference. Like, you know, like recently I was really resenting someone I had to take care of. Mm. And it's just like, it's a drag. The fact that this person is having such a hard time, it makes it hard, like no fun to be with. And I've been trying to be so saintly Mm. and evolved. (laughs) And then just one day, you know, I just like, I was doing the dishes and I was like, this is hard. And I'm so pissed off about this and they are so not fun to be with. And 
I just was like soft for a minute with that. And then like, I wanted to go hang out with them. Mm-hmm. Just like loving myself, little self-love injection. I had some more space. I could go be more loving with them. And my observation with myself in like the last two years is I'm amazed at the rage I can feel sometimes in the grocery store. Mm-hmm. And I can go for a couple of weeks and just feel like one with humanity And then someone will just say something or make a request in a certain way. And my authority issues come up. Mm. And I think we're in a global authority issue situation. Mm. And what I know now about my own authority issues, which I used to be so proud of. I have authority issues. You can't tell me what to do. (laughs) And that makes me smarter and tougher and all these things Uh is actually it's fear. Mm. And I am afraid of being dominated. Mm-hmm. I am afraid of, I don't want to lose control. Mm. I don't want to be harmed. I want to live. And so now that I can see that, I move into that energy of like, I want to be lit. I want to live. Yeah. And if I want to live and be alive and be in touch with like, I'm finally, ha- this is the irony all of, you know, the world's falling apart and I'm finally happy to be here. <laughs> that is ironic, huh? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like I used to so I didn't even want to like come back. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, maybe my work's not done, but I don't want to reincarnate to this shit show. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. I've definitely had those thoughts. I've yeah. definitely had the thoughts of why did I come in at this time? And yeah. even before we got pregnant was really talking to the soul and going, Are you sure? Like, do you see what's going on? Are you really sure? And, you know, she was, and I think it's, you know, back to kind of this place we've been in the collective the past two years and just feeling really disheartened. And I'm not like disappointed in humanity. That's not what I'm saying. It's more that, especially as, as an empath and somebody that feels the collective a lot, like I constantly, if I'm really tired, if I'm really anxious, I always have to ask, is is this mine? Am I tapping into the collective? I have to be very discerning about what's mine and what's not. And that's one of the things in the past two years that's really been up for me is pulling myself back from, from feeling everything that things mm-hmm. are feeling because more is up. There's more anxiety. There's more fear. It's just everything feels really, really amplified in yeah. all of this. And there's been times where I'm just like, oh, I just want to peace out. And then one of my conscious friends will say, well, you chose to come in at this time and you're part of the great awakening. I'm like, I don't want to be, (laughs) I just want to like do my thing. But then I realize that my ego makes that statement mean you're part of the great awakening, that I have to be out there like leading the charge and, and Mm -hmm. bringing people to peace and bringing people to unity. And then, and then my wisdom, my soul will step in and be like, no, you don't, you just have to do it inside yourself. Mm -hmm. That's how you're part of it. And so I especially have paid attention to, you know, where am I judging? Where do I think I'm right? Like if I look at someone who's super opinionated on one side and go, how can they be so ignorant? Why don't they see? It's like, oh, whoa, I'm them. I'm doing, Mm -hmm. I'm doing the same thing. And that's, what's been so interesting in watching the division that's going on between right and left and vax and anti-vax and mandate, no mandate, mass, no mass, whatever it is. And I just want to, say to people, can you see you're the same? <laughs> like what's, what's mm-hmm. bothering you about this? You're, you're doing in the same way. Why do you think it's so challenging for us to 
to, to want peace, to want unity. Why do you think we're just so stuck in being right? We just get so stuck in being right. Well, I think we're, there's so much social programming. We're conditioned to be right. Yeah. And it's eons. It's eons. I mean, we have legacies around being legacies built on righteousness. So it's in us. It's we're our families don't raise us to forgive. Yeah. Somebody crosses the line and there's got to be some punishment, some retribution. You take them to court, you go to the principal, you know, um, so we're not taught to forgive. And then we're like the, the shadow loves being <laughs> where it's at. Like, I mean, you know, you, you know, this is, this is, it's beyond centuries. This is, this is density. Yeah. Trying to get home to the light. It's, it's like, you know, the, I think the most useful metaphor I've come up with lately in writing is like, I feel like the ego, the shadow self is like a wounded dog. Mm. I grew up on a farm and there was always this concern about rabies. And, you know, if you came across a particular, you know, a dog and, and, um, and putting animals down and all that. And what I learned is like wounded dogs are vicious because they don't want to be hurt anymore. Right. They're trying to protect themselves. And the ego is like that. The ego needs help. The ego wants to be taken to the hospital of your heart. Mm-hmm. It needs medicine. It needs love. It wants to come home, but it's like, don't come near me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think where self-help culture is doing us wrong is like, I actually think we have a ton of ego repression happening of just like the ego's this terrible bad thing. And we, and we label it as like, he's in his ego because arrogant. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, yes. And insecurity is also the ego at work. It's anything that wants you to like, just not be connected to your power and to each other. And so really what's happening with all this division is the, the shadow self is just having a heyday And, but I want to be really super specific with this. The shadow self is, it's not about the shadow right now is in control. Mm. The shadow, the darkness, the wounded self is actually never in control. It's fighting for control. Yeah. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's screaming for our attention. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even when we can see in protests, people of different perspectives on different sides of their the street and the sign, it's really just their shadow saying, pay attention to me to heal me. Mm -hmm. You know, this thing called rage is me screaming for peace. Yeah. We're screaming for the antidote right now. Yeah. And what we really want is to not be divided really, really, really. And it's like, but, but how it comes out in the darkness is my rightness keeps me safe. Mm Mm-hmm which keep, makes me think that I am whole, which makes me think that I'm in control and I'm good and I'm valuable and I'm worthy. So it just goes down to like, I'm wanted and I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. But you, you can't be, you can't be on this campaign of wanted and okay and get to unity consciousness. It's like, Everybody is wanted. Mm-hmm. Everybody is valued. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everybody's safe too. I think that's the other thing is that there's just so much um, 
triggered in feeling not safe. You know, uncertainty really triggers that feeling of not being safe and the rug being pulled out from underneath me. And the more I'm right and the more I hang on to my positions, then the safer I feel because we're back to that world control. Do you even think control is a real thing or do you think it's an illusion? Do you think it's even possible to have control? Yes and no. This is a, such a deep, great question. I think I know I have free will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I am profoundly influenced by the state of the planets. Mm. I am influenceable by dark energies. All that stuff we cannot see with the human eye. Just, you know, we are just these we are these Tauruses, T-O-R-U-S. You know, we're just these light shapes. There's so much stuff going on under the surface. And I get to have a say in what I'm choosing every day. Like I get to, I get to inform my mind. Mm-hmm. We all get to inform our mind. And where free will comes in is I get to inform my mind with virtue, with love, compassion, forgiveness, resilience. And I also could, if I chose, inform my mind with ignorance and division and hate and gossip and criticism. It's your choice. Mm -hmm. It's your choice. But nobody, nobody, this is where we have no control. Nobody escapes the influences of the cosmos. Mm -hmm. Nobody. So it's like you could say, you know, right now the earth is in a very fiery phase because Mars is doing whatever in the sky does you don't even need to believe in astrology it's just like we are all feeling the pulse of the infinite yeah and the pulse may be it might be going fast one day it might be fiery it might be stuck and argumentative it might be expansive and you're going to choose how you express fiery you can do it lovingly or you can go choose someone out You can expand without resistance and let go of some of your material possessions and cry and have conversations about forgiveness, or you can bulldoze somebody. Same energy, different intention, different application. Mm -hmm. I love that. This, This time has been called by many, you know, a great awakening, it created a new earth. Yeah. How would you describe it? How would you describe this time we're in? All that. Mm-hmm. Birth. Mm-hmm. Birth. And I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to see it in my lifetime. Yeah. But I'm going to look for, I'm going to see, I mean, I see lots of signs for it now. And like my personal work right now is like, I have to mine for the hope. Mm-hmm. I have faith. Mm-hmm. Humanity is going to wake up. A golden age is coming. We're going to become sane and loving and just live in these really, uh, you know, euphoric cultures. Mm. And uh, I mean, just look, you know, we're still dealing with civil rights issues. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, Martin Luther King's dream still has not yet to be realized. Look how many generations that's taken and how ridiculous and absurd that is that we're not there yet. Like, you know, and we think, you know, you know, this is where I feel not doubtful, but I struggle. And at the same time, I feel so much hope. Like, you know, if we look at civil rights and how long it's taking to really realize that. And now we look at, we're 10 times more divided. 
let's say. Maybe that's good news because we're 10, you know, the suffering is in nth degree now. Mm. And we all know like it's suffering that creates awakening. So it's like, okay, we, we didn't get it in the fifties. Mm-hmm. We, and we didn't get it and we didn't get it with that war and this war. Are we getting it now? So maybe mm-hmm. there is this quickening of awakening that could happen. Mm-hmm. But I do see there. I mean, there's definitely a quickening and the structure is falling apart, mm-hmm. but the structures are coming apart because, you know, tyranny is on the rise Mm. and the light wants to dismantle and resist the tyranny. Who knows? I don't know. I, you know, I I just, I want to get a new tattoo. I want to get an olive branch Mm. tattooed on my forearm Mm -hmm. because I want to be the peacekeeper now. I've so identified as being the shit disturber most of my life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I want to be, I want to be the peacekeeper now. Mm. I love that. I want to talk a little bit about your transformation and shifts the past couple of years. You just teed it up yeah. <laughs> a bit in terms of being a bit of a shit stirrer into a peacekeeper. Can you talk a little bit more about your personal transformation, how that's been reflected in your business and yeah, just what the past few years have been like for you? I will look at my mortality mm. yeah. and decided like, okay, I'm willing to die. If this, if this world health situation is really bonkers, and I actually don't think it is. I'll, I'm take me. Okay. Yeah. And you know, I have a son who's about to turn 18 and I had to really look at that. Like, no, I'm here. I was kind of using him as an excuse to stay on the planet. Huh. And, and just to be clear, like I was not suicidal. I wasn't going to jump off of anything. And then I was just like, all right, if I'm really going to live this life of thy will be done, mm-hmm. if I really am for God, if I really am for Christ consciousness, then I am a conduit with choice. I choose to be the conduit. I choose, I'm, I'm always in choice, but I want to choose love. So love is going to direct my course. And what if love says you're of more use on the other side? Then I have to trust that love is right in that. And love is also right for my son mm. that love God, the infinite would say, okay, my son's karma would be to lose a mother at a young age. Okay. So I was willing to die basically. Mm. And I think you know, I haven't gotten that as clear as, on it as I am in this moment. So thanks. <laughs> uh, I think that just created this domino effect of you know, after you do that, then you decide you don't really need Manny petties anymore. Right, right. <laughs> right. And I didn't need all the shoes. Yeah. And, oh, and if I'm okay to die, I'm also okay if I'm not with a life partner. Like, maybe this is my thing. It's okay. My life is full of love. Like, mm-hmm. I am, I'm, I'm, fuf- I am joyful no matter what. Even in the mornings when I feel like the world division, I always want to mm. lay in bed and cry. Mm-hmm. I still feel joy. I still feel a lot of, mm. still feel God, you know? And so I simplified my business and we, uh, we, we simplified the team and I decided like, I'm just committed to my heart centered facilitators and my heart centered members. And then I'll, and I'm going to write some stuff, you know, it just, mm-hmm. and then I moved out of a big house into an apartment by the beach I've got rid of probably 70% of my material possessions. 
Hmm. I just don't care about a lot of the stuff I used to care about. And I have to say, as you well know, because you've been here every step of the way, <laughs> like all that happened hmm. and a lot came back. So like I was willing to die. Now I want to live more than ever. I was hmm. actually willing to retire, leave this career. I don't know what I was going to do, but, um, and it came back. I decided to write a book mm-hmm. and I was willing to like, I don't, so I'm good without a man. And I, I met the man. And <laughs> Which I knew you would. I said before yeah. the end of 2020, you're going to meet your man. Yeah. I knew it. <laughs> totally called it. And just in the nick of time, like yeah. we got together. December, December. Yeah. Yeah. December 12th. Yeah. And you know, when you first asked like what all the changes I wanted to say, well, it's because I fell in love, but it's really because I was willing to let go of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in, in so many ways, that is falling in love because yeah. truly falling in love is really letting go of everything, control who we think we are. So there's so much. There's yeah. so much we have to let go of to truly fall in love because all the stuff we hang on to keeps the personas up and the judgments up and the patterns up and the protective walls up and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, we have to be willing to die to, to live. And I love that you talked about, and I definitely want to get to talking about falling in love because there's a lot of people listening who think their time is over and never going to find anyone and how they meet someone in the pandemic. So we're, we're going to get to that. But I love that you hit on simplifying and just getting rid of stuff because I've been in that place too of like, you know, in 2020 hit, I had, I don't even know how many speeches lined up. Several of them were international. I had two international weddings. We were just on planes all the time. And I'd been on planes pretty much since 2009 consistently. And I remember just not traveling and being home and feeling grounded and having space in my calendar and going, oh my gosh, this is what I've wanted. I thought I wanted this big, flashy career life, but that was more that tender, insecure part of me that thought I had to prove something. And there's been such a, a letting go of Christine Hassler, of this identity, this, this brand I thought I had to be, and really finding, oh my gosh, I really like a simple life. You know, yes, I like to be stimulated and yes, I like to, I love my work and I love learning new things and being challenged and all that kind of stuff. But the simplification and the letting go of a lot of things made me realize how much I was hanging on to that I didn't even want, you know, that wasn't even making me happy, that I just Mm -hmm. thought I had to hang on to for X, Y, Z reasons. And I think it's even harder in our, like I just saw um, something on Instagram where I get all my best information. (laughs) <laughs> about how <laughs> how much sex has declined in in marriages and in committed relationships like since 2016 it's gone down another 8% and it was already low and in the study they talked about part of the reason that is is our phones and everything we have access to and all the distractions we have have you know kind of just numbed us out but just shut us down from connection because we're so used to being distracted and I was like, oh my gosh, that's that's so true. I was so distracted by the things in my life. I wasn't really available to what really made me happy. Not even happy, content. Because I think happiness is one of those things that I have moments of happiness for sure, but I never make happiness my goal because I don't think it's a, a sustainable state of emotion to mm-hmm. be in. And what I realized in this past two years is I've just been looking to feel content. Like enough mm-hmm. is enough. And to have mm-hmm. that feeling 
of peace. And that's one thing that our, one of the many things our friendship has really been so nourishing for is we both are like, doesn't it feel good not to work so much? <laughs> doesn't mm-hmm. it feel good to have so much less stuff? Doesn't it feel good to simplify? Mm-hmm. And just to really be able to like honor that and celebrate that has been really refreshing because I think sometimes there's a lot of pressure to keep up with the Joneses or whatever expression we want to use, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel the same way about all of that. I'm so happy to be home. And I can hear somebody listening now saying, yeah, yeah, but like, you know, I have, I have a few people. Well, Mm -hmm. well, no, but more like from the outside looking in at careers. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, me personally, you know, I have a few people who follow me on Instagram Mm -hmm. and, and I've written a couple books, but so that you can say, well, it's easy to simplify when mm. you've gotten to a certain place. And I want to say, like, my phone is not ringing off the hook for speaking gigs right now. Mm-hmm. Because I've, cons- I keep, just keeps, I said, no, I'm not traveling. We couldn't travel. I chose mm-hmm. not to travel. And also my energy within myself dictates the opportunities that come in. Right. So like energetically, if I'm clear, like, nah, I'm not just not into it right now. The phone doesn't ring. I know that if I got really clear, it's like, okay, I want to be out there. The phone would probably start ringing. It's so it's like, I have been, I'm so intentionally quiet right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I have the same, that same kind of striving of like, I got to be out there and I got to do the things, but I even have taken it to the extreme consideration these last few years of like, what if I never get to go to Europe again? Oh, yeah. I want to go to churches. I wanted, there's yeah. some castles I wanted to see and there's some beaches I wanted to go to. And it's like, I have, I have Christ. Mm-hmm. I have love. I have, I have so much here. Mm-hmm. Like I have to be willing to let all all striving go mm-hmm. and yeah I, I still want to go you know I've never been to Rome mm. like go to Rome. but if I don't go to Rome I'm okay I've lived a meaningful life mm-hmm. and I that is working across the board it's like if I don't get another speaking gig I'm good I'm still valuable yeah yeah, yeah. and thank you for presencing that because I think you know people might think well it's easy for you to simplify and but anybody can we're not just talking about simplify you know, do less work-wise, there's always ways to take stuff out of your life. You know, always, always and simplify is I'm going to push away from my desk at five o'clock mm-hmm. and go make some vegetable soup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm not taking my phone with me when I walk. Yeah. And also there was a simplification for me with friendships and it wasn't about cutting anybody out or letting anybody go, but I could also see this the striving happening in my relationships where I just like, I need to be in touch with everybody all the time so that everybody knew that I love them so that everybody knew I'm a good person. Right. And it's just like, listen, we love each other. Yeah. It's all going to work out. It doesn't matter (laughs) if we talk every three weeks or two weeks or whatever. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. And it's nice to have those agreements with friends of look, even if I don't hear from you for three months, you're on my mind, you're in my heart. In three months, we can pick up where we left off and it's fine. There's no out any criticism. No criticism, no obligation. Like no, no, no. Yeah. So let's talk about love. Let's do it. Love, the romantic say. kind. I mean, you have like you coached me and loved me mm-hmm. and you prophesized. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like, you know, you're so happy for me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So happy. 
so yeah. happy for you, with you, all the things. So how do I want to ask this question? Because I get so many how questions about love, right? Absolutely. How, how, how? What do you think was the shift in you that really, because like you said about the speaking gig, right? You shifted yeah. something, you shift something in your energy, it shows up. What do you feel or sense or know was the shift in you that really opened up this man coming into your life? It was two things. One, it was, I'm willing to be without it and I'm full without it. There is love in my life. Thy will be done. Mm. And then, and honestly, for real, legit, I really, really, really let it go. Yeah, you did. I literally got on my knees yeah. in, in my studio one Saturday and cried and danced and said, okay, I give it up. I let it go. I'm good. I'm good. Okay. And then about three months later, I was like, you know, I still would love to be partnered. Mm-hmm. And I looked at like who, how I am designed this life. Everything from like, I have, you know, I'm curvy. I'm built for, I'm built for snuggles. <laughs> you know, like, like I'm, I know that I'm built for partnership. Yeah. I've wanted it my whole life. God designed me this way. Why yeah. would I not be that? Yeah. So then the next conversation with life was, okay, I feel like this is a risk because we've just had this whole thy will be done conversation. Yeah. But can my will be aligned with thy will and you bring me somebody? Mm. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna dare to love. Yeah. And I'm gonna dare that this could be the wrong thing, but I feel it in my heart. I'm gonna dare to follow my heart, basically. And while we're at it, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take total ownership for this aspiration. I want him to be local because I'd been on airplanes. You know this. I'd been looking for him everywhere. And even my friends were like, ah, he doesn't live in your city. Mm. You're going to be with some baller guy who lives in LA or New York Mm -hmm. who owns a couple of businesses and, Mm -hmm. you know, got a lot of tattoos. And I was like, fuck yeah. And, (laughs) And I was like, okay, the world has changed. I have changed. I have changed. Make him local. I'm going to defy this world health situation. So bring them to me by the end of the year. Mm. And I'd said this fall mm. and the, and I, I had already deleted all my dating apps Yeah, because I was willing to join the convent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember those and talks. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm just going to get on one app. No. Just one. Cause I'm back out there. First guy. Yeah. And brunch turned into yeah. love of my life. Yeah. And at first, it wasn't like you immediately knew, right? At first, you you were like, ah, because I think a lot of people go through that. They're, they're, you know, someone will come in that potentially is their person and some resistance and maybe some judgments and maybe some stories will come up. How did you work through that? So I blew him off. We had our first date and I was like, he's funny, he's sexy, and he's not my guy. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to marry this guy. Mm-hmm. And he didn't ask me out again for like right away. And like four days had passed and I don't, you can hear all the control in this, right? I was like, <laughs> I don't, I don't like loose ends. So I texted him and said, um, Hey, it was really lovely. And I'm, I'm wishing you well. I never overtly say to someone, I don't feel the spark. I feel like that's hurtful. Yeah. It's not my way of doing it. I know it works for some people. It doesn't work for me. 
And his response was like, oh, it's too. And I said, maybe I'll see you on the seawall. There's an important part of this story, which is a little universal wink, which is he asked me out via the dating app. I didn't respond. Like he asked me out on a, you know, like on a Saturday morning. I had a puppy at the time. I say to my friend, let's go take the puppy to the ocean for the first time. I'm walking the puppy and who passes by me, but this guy who just asked me out (laughs) and he is looking hot. He just been for a run. He's all sweaty Mm. and oh, you know, he's got great posture. And I nudged my friend. I said, that's the guy who asked me out this morning. That's a wink from the universe. I'm going to say yes. Mm-hmm. Cause I wasn't sure I was going to say yes. And jump cut to, we have our date. He doesn't respond right away after the date. And then I say, we're complete. I hope I'll see you on the seawall, which is where we walk by the ocean, which was a little seed that I had planted of like, I, that was my snarky way of saying, I would have gone on another date with you mm. if you would have asked. Yeah. And, um, uh, three or four weeks passed. I went on another date with another guy. It wasn't, it wasn't a fit. I left that date and I thought, what about Will? So his name is Will. I was like, what's that Will guy? I go on a date with him again. <laughs> and who reached out again? And he actually, <laughs> and he gave me five different options. He curated it. Yep. I love that. And I chose one of them and the date lasted 12 hours and we've been together ever since. I love it. I love it. I love it. And like my relationship with Steph, it didn't look like I thought it would look in the beginning. There are certain things that didn't look the way my little controlling parts wanted them to look. And I, you know, when it comes to love and these soul match relationships, I constantly remember and and living in, you may not get exactly what you want or thought you wanted, but you really get what you need. And you mm-hmm. really, when you're open to it and when you're surrendering. And for me, there I did the same process of really letting it go and then saying to God, I will have my longing without my suffering. I will let go of my suffering. I will still have my longing. Mm-hmm. And you pick. I will stop thinking I know best. You, That's so you, beautiful. Yeah. You, you pick because you know better than me. And that those two things were the biggest shifts for me in that. This is important because I've had a similar experience where Will does not look like in terms of, you know, lifestyle and who he is, the guy I thought I was going to be with. And there is zero compromise. Exactly. So I want to be really clear about this. Not like, well, I've compromised no. because I'm more humble now. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> um, life brought me someone who is so gentle and I had no idea how much I needed and adore yep. gentle. Gentleness has me expand. Yep. Life brought me someone who, you know, he's had this really stellar career, but currently has very different ambitions, just wants to live. Yep. Oh my God. Thank you. So good. And there's so much that I just get over Yeah. for the sake of love. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. when I don't, it creates a problem. Yeah. And and we push love away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, I want to get to some of your other loves because I get to go pick up my nephew in 10 minutes, but I want to make sure that we talk about your heart-centered facilitator and your heart-centered membership program because I mm-hmm. know that you really took a look at your business, took a step back 
Cause there's, there's no, <laughs> there's no not saying you have been and are very, very successful in this world. So many people know you love your work. You've, you've changed people's lives, thousands and thousands of people's lives. So you really had a very big business and, and really honed in on what do I want to do most and how can I show up the best and how do I best serve? Mm-hmm. And I know that heart-centered facilitator and membership came out of that. So tell us a little bit about those and, and just to wrap up the love conversation, I just am so happy and love seeing you in love. It just yeah. makes me so happy. <laughs> so good. So possible for everybody. So possible. Yeah. Just love. If you just want be it, loving. Yeah. Yep. yeah just yep. be loving. I have 400 women who are having circles in their living rooms or in big consultancies about compassion and forgiveness. Mm. And a handful of men. Men have started coming into this, amazing. which has been amazing. And we are everything that didn't happen before. Like I always wanted to grow my facilitator program, you know, that it was the desire map facilitator program. Like there should be thousands of facilitators. Now we're ready. It's like, we are so on time to talk about resiliency and forgiveness Mm -hmm. in businesses and in families and with incarcerated people, you know, so that's what it is. It's these, all of these practices from 10 years, not just my work, but like facilitators who've been doing this in all these countries saying, we need more of this and we need less of that. And it's a, a methodologized, is that even a conversation? It's a, uh, I don't like the word formulate. It's a strategized love. Mm. Yeah. So we have a curriculum mm. and all I want out of it is for people to get softer. That's mm-hmm. it. All those practices are about you getting softer with yourself or having two people on the opposite side of the boardroom. Just get softer. That's all. Don't have to feel more right. Yeah or more wrong, just get softer. Yeah. So that's what it is. It's tools for resilience for idealists. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And softer also doesn't mean weaker. I think a lot of us buy into the misconception that if I'm softer, I'm going to lose my power or I'm going to be seen differently or I'm not going to be as strong or, or whatever. But what I have learned, and you're so good at modeling this, is when we're softer, we can drop into our heart and wow, does great wisdom come from there. Mm-hmm. Way better than our head. Way better. Way better. Way better. Yeah. 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 So if people are interested, if they want to learn more about heart-centered facilitator membership, where do they where do they go to do that? It's all at daniellelaporte.com. So there's the facilitator program, which is for people who want to be having these conversations. And then I have the heart-centered membership, which is really for individuals. So it's more, it's a community. We're working with different spiritual tools. Yeah. We meet every other week and we go deep and talk about virtue and sanity mm-hmm. and darkness and light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And for people listening, if you can't already tell, Danielle has an incredible way of teaching and sharing. Her voice is so soothing. She's amazing at guiding you through meditations. And is somebody that I have seen is able to take really broad, seemingly complex subjects and like drill it down into what's most impactful. So if you're looking for a guide, if you're looking for community, if you're looking to get more into your heart, I, you know, I know she's my friend and so I'm biased, but I choose good people to be friends with. So I I would highly suggest looking into that because we could all, I think we've all been a little too much in our heads the past, well, lifetime, but especially the past two years, figuring things out and navigating through things and dropping into our hearts and community is, does us all good. So thank you for creating that program. I know you're doing amazing work with people. Yeah. I just want to say I 
super love you. We know that. Um, but also just respect you mm. and um, it's all your suffering. And you don't like you, you bring the radiance of your suffering forward without like the heavy story of how much you've suffered. Mm. It's uh, it's great. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Well, great friends and great teachers make that a little easier. So thank mm. you for being one of them. And to, to wrap up here for people who really resonate with just not feeling hope sometimes, not feeling hope for the world or just not feeling hope for themselves and their own life. What words of compassion and wisdom can you speak to them? Love your hopelessness. Just like don't feel like a loser because you you have a struggle with hope one day. It's like, oh, of course I'm feeling hopeless. And then see what happens. Mm. There'll be like some softening and then you'll be like, and then it'll be like, you know, some something will blossom. Just love your hopelessness mm. and see what happens. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Have reverence for it. Yeah. 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 That's so acceptance really does open the door mm -hmm. for things. The more we try to change something, the more it hangs on. So mm -hmm. hope. Well, thank you for being a voice of hope for all of us mm -hmm. today. I love you so much. Everybody go check out daniellelaporte.com. She posts great stuff on Instagram too. And you have a book coming out in October that people can be on the lookout for. Tell us mm -hmm. the name of the book. It's called How to Be Loving. Mm. How to Be Loving. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Well, I love you. I love you. I'm so glad we did this. Me too. Thanks.